All right, well, we're not going to play the intro for a third time. Literally, I just messed up our starting Why don't three you just times. Start it over. What, and play the intro again? Yeah. Nah, that's all right. Maybe I'll put it in post, which I probably won't. This is it. Podcast just started. We are podcasting it's like, it's right 45 now. 45 seconds long. It's, it's happening. It's already happened. No intro. Executive decision. We started. This is it. It's Run Your Mouth episode, I believe, 11, maybe. All right. Maybe, can you start keeping track? Nope. I do everything else. That can be your one job every week. You that's come a in. Little, a little too much It's for too me, much Rob. just yeah. to know what episode we're up to. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's above my uh, pay grade. Okay, fine. I guess uh, it'll be part of my producing. It's 11. Is it? Last week was also 11. Was it? I don't know. I, I, why do I fucking know? From now on, that's your one job. No, I'm not taking any jobs. You, you won't take responsibility no. to know what number episode. <laughs> Absolutely not. You just have to keep account. Okay. Um, well, it's nice to have Yussel in studio. Even if he refuses to keep track, I'm happy to see you're comfortable. You, you, you've committed oh, to yeah. shorts. Yeah, it's, it's not quite the weather. robe, but you do. But shorts, like you know, once the weather made a turn, shorts all the time now. Because you're not going to get the looks. Like if I did this one, it would, even if it was nice weather, right? And there's still snow on the ground, you get some looks. But you now, feel like, like the even seasons... if it's as cold as, you know, some snow on the it's ground. It's appropriate because we're in right. the middle of May. If yeah. it were to snow tomorrow and you were wearing shorts, you'd feel like I'm still in the right. It's fucking May. Oh yeah, I'm wearing shorts because I like wearing shorts. I get yeah, all that. It, it it already set the so precedent. before we grind into the news. Oh, Jesus. Sounds like sounds like a, a chore. It sounds what, like keeping into yeah, the news. Sounds like keeping track of what number episode we're up to. I feel like none of this should be that overwhelming to you. <laughs> you said grinding into the news, like you no, mean grinding we, was a bad term. Just, yeah, just before sit. I'm a marketing guy. What would be a better term for me approaching the news? Before you know, with the, we get to enjoy the news. I know we didn't have our intro music, but as as. The uh, artist that created the the track was, you know, you know, sit back and unwind. We're not right. grinding here. We're okay. sitting back and unwinding, running our mouths. We're unwinding the news. That sounds weird also. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Maybe we needed that intro to get us in the zone. Should yeah. we start again? We're not going to do Absolutely that. Absolutely not. So, Mr. Yosef, yes. before we get into the news, educate ourselves. Become enlightened with what's on my piece of paper in front of me. Is there anything you have to report? Anything interesting over the week, weekend? Mm. Anything go down? Not as exciting as as the previous weekend. Yeah, nothing nothing crazy. I don't think I have anything either. It's you know, it's, it's been a blur it's since the last day. episode, yeah. I haven't it's, it's the same old I feel uh, like I haven't done a thing. Well, Who we, knows? Pro- we both probably haven't. Maybe maybe Let's, I did, I'm just not remembering. Um well, my kid fell down the uh the porch steps. Your porch steps? Tumbled. How from old, the top. How old was the kid? The one and a half year old. Oh, do you think he's fucked for life? It's a she. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, it was your kid. Oh, yeah, yeah, Oh, I oh, thought you, you thought meant someone else's kid, kid. Which is what a relief. Ooh. That's like oh, someone God, else's problem. Yeah. Um, the younger one did. Yeah. But she, she, but she was, was naughty anyways. That yeah, might have like, corrected whatever it, was wrong. I think it like flipped <laughs> the switch anyway. Yeah. <laughs> she th- might just stop eating cat food now. <laughs> yeah, like she, she has been, you know, making some smart decisions lately. So it might have killed off the weird shit in her head. <laughs> um, also, a kid like that's going to take a couple falls. It's bound to oh, happen. Yeah. She does not give two fucks. What happened that she fell down the stairs? She was just playing outside and going up and going down. And right. then she just, she's one and a half years old. So <laughs> she Do you remember, doesn't really. 
you what, know, know. I used to, to love falling do down your stairs. Do you remember that? Bumping down the stairs? No, fa- you had like carpeted stairs, and I used to like enjoy. I, I think maybe I went down them on like a uh, on like a couch cushion a whole bunch, but it was oh, like yeah. a thing. Yeah, the carpeted stairs right at the front door. That was a good time before yeah. you guys renovated yeah. and I became an adult. <laughs> Those are the two things that kind of ruin going downstairs on a couch cushion. Um which oh, why they have to renovate? And what and and I'm 23 years old. Right. You've seen Joey pull that party oh, trick falling downstairs. It is the fantastic. world's funniest thing. And I can't explain to you why it's visually so funny, but it's it it is the funniest thing. Yeah. Explain it. Well, it legitimately looks like somebody's dying and that they took a real fall that they're crashing against every single stair. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he just gets up and it's fine. It, it, it's mind boggling. But what we did was it, there was a basketball tournament going on at Yeshiva University and we kept pulling this move. We, we, might, we did it 12 times in a row and it didn't become not funny. There was this room packed with people, or probably 70 people standing around in a room at the bottom of a staircase. So Joey kept going to the top of the staircase and falling down the entire staircase. And like legitimate the entire, steps. Like, yes, legitimate know, steps. The entire room would come to a screeching silence, turn around at the staircase to look what was going on. And you just see a guy, and you think he died. And then I would run down the stairs behind him and go, Is there a doctor? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then there would be a moment, everyone would look, and then he would just get up, and me and him would cash and walk away. <laughs> and we did and that. And would you do it for the same crowd? Or I feel like we like... just kept doing it in that room. <laughs> no, until, like... until someone finally screamed, he's fine. We were the biggest fucks because we were we were in high school, we lived in this dorm. It was like a prison. There was nothing to do. There was literally nothing to do at night, and we lived there. And so, our stick was we used to just piss off the college kids, and we thought it was hilarious. I mean, after freshman year, we grew out of that. But that was our that was, that was our thing. Year. Was just we used to do this. This was just also just complete stupidity. Was and and this is hard to describe. We used to do this thing where someone would be walking. It would be like a college kid, and he'd be late for class, and he'd be clearly walking quickly. And so we would do this thing where the three of us, me, Seth, and Joey, would circle and stop in front of him so that he kept colliding into one of us. It was it, it was like, you ever do a weave drill for basketball where it's like one guy runs behind the other, mm-hmm. you pass it back? So it was like that, but it was the opposite where we were moving in front of the guy and you'd kind of slow down right in front of him and you'd go to, and then the next so guy... Like block, block off traffic, walking a little traffic. Bit. Yeah, and then the other stick I used to pull was I used to go to the same four stores every night and get thrown out of them. Like, I would purposely go and piss them off till they threw me out. It became a thing. One of my How bits was... How were you was, allowed back? I mean, I, you were a little... Or, you or would just, show up, and, like, the, the clerk would just look and go, oh, oh fuck. fuck. But one of the bits I used to do, there was this, like, this 40-year-old dude, um, Russian guy. Yep, 40-year-old Russian guy. And, obviously, if you're working in a bodega as a 40-year-old Russian guy, that's not a good gig. You're pissed to be there at midnight. That's not. That's not a fun job. So... I used to show up every night. Seth and Joey would like buy snacks at the time. I, w- I wasn't such a snack guy, I guess. I never bought snacks, but I used to go to the <coughs> store and I would just keep asking what things costed cost without buying anything. Now that's not that funny on the first night. It's not that funny on the second night when it's week twelve <laughs> of you showing up in a store. <laughs> it's just being like, hey man, <laughs> like it becomes the most annoying thing it's on the, the planet. Same person it finally there. ended. I think he kind of choked me and threw me out of the store <laughs> once. But then, but how how'd you get yeah. thrown out every single night from the same places? Well, because I used to go there in Morgmart, and I would just piss them off until they got so enraged that if I wasn't going to leave, it was going to be violent, and it be just it just became a thing. Like that was but our entertainment. I feel like once you get kicked out, then 
doesn't the next night it take like three seconds before you're kicked out? So I think or you kind of managed it. Yeah, in a I way. think maybe like I had like a, a rotation. It was like every Tuesday night I would go to work want to get thrown out. Like it was something like that. I okay. don't I don't remember exactly, but I remember kept I, them on their toes. I once did this to kosher deli sub. And not kosher deli sub, whatever that the, the kosher bodega was. This is just high school douchebaggery. This is like not not cool what I did, but I did it. Uh-huh. Was they started this promotion? It was like uh, two sodas for a buck or something. And on the top shelf, they must have put hundred cans of soda on the top shelf. I went right to the middle of the top shelf. <laughs> I took two cans. I went. I bought it, and as I'm walking out of the store, like the whole fucking rack <laughs> fell over, all over the store. The guy who was always just a prick started freaking out. You know what? Fuck that guy. He was. He got Lewis, who was Mr. Bodega, thrown off the street. Mr. Bodega had been there for a thousand years. He was the guy who used to stand outside the store and go, "Hey, Poppy." Do you remember him at all? Not really. I remember the uh, padded wagon guy. Oh, padded wagon was run sideways. He <laughs> won't get wet. Everyone goes into the kosher to 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 uh, what was it? to Tully's place. So they can look at Judy's tits. They pretend like they're rabbis, but they go in there to look at her big tits. I can't get an erection anymore. And then Daniel Daniel Kaffir said, "Great material." Daniel Kaffir once said, "But that was the that was the craziest thing he said to me." He once said, "Run sideways, you won't get wet." It was raining out. That doesn't make sense, Patty. I saw him a couple like um, last time I was up there. I saw him, but it was it wasn't funny anymore. Oh god, <laughs> he had an age well. Like when we were in high school, it was <laughs> Did like. Did you think that this this homeless guy would age? well? I don't know that I thought he'd age well, but I thought he'd always be the fun padded oh, like, wagon guy. Like he'd always have his like his charm to him. That he would be frozen in time. Yeah, as kind of like a goofy looking fat guy with uh-huh. a high pitched voice who yelled ridiculous things, but. Let no. me tell you, 10 years later, he had an aged well, um, which I think is a perfect segue to our first topic. I think I saw him one time like in Midtown. Like he, I think he upgraded it at one point. You mean to, to where he was trying to work his racket? Right. Like he moved on you, down the road from the when I guess we always saw him in Washington Heights. I saw him just, yeah, like in some nice area in Midtown. Like just living so it I, up? <laughs> He was still doing the same shit. Right. But, like, I I thought, like, oh, he's moved on to, you know, a a nicer area and kind of upgraded his his game. Dan Kaffer, who was so funny. I mean, that that guy could have been a comic. That guy was – he was such a fucking nutbag and so funny. Like, especially in the dorm, he once did this thing on Christmas. He wrapped himself in Christmas lights. We used to also piss off the security guards, and we plugged him in through a window, and he was a human Christmas tree. (laughs) This is at Yeshiva University, mind you. But um, when Patty said to him, he goes, I can only get a half an erection. Kafir looks at him and goes, what half? (laughs) 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 Which was a great line. I still remember that to this day. Um, So didn't think Dan Kafir would be. Come up on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, that guy was. I thought that... we had a lot of news to. No, we got to plow into. Yeah, we got some news to grind. So first <laughs> news story is. Um, what airline was this? I think it was American Airlines. A guy is suing them. He was on a 14 hour flight and they put him between two obese people that he's claiming it made his scoliosis worse. He kept requesting a change of seat. They wouldn't let him change seats. He was uncomfortable for the whole flight. He's claiming that that flight made his scoliosis worse, and he's suing them for $100,000. Okay? Now, what I love about this legal case is that the prosecution, if this goes to trial, is going to want those two people showing up in court as fat as possible. 
Like, I just see them, like, mailing donuts to the house, like, trying to take them out for lunch so that they can show up, like, do a demonstration with, like, them in two seats with the middle seat open and then try and, like, the jury's like, oh, my God. Whereas American Airlines is probably going to try and get them a gym membership, have them show up in court, be like, do these look like two people who could crush someone's spine? Or, uh, yeah, <laughs> that would be the best. Or maybe American Airlines would just kind of try to sneak in, like, to other people to to say that they were oh just pretend people. like it was someone yeah, like else hired, and like, the guy two was actors just... and like it's like no I swear to God these, these people were so <laughs> these much were bigger the like guys. these were really fe- like no this th- according to our records these right. are the people seated. that's got to be there's no way he would have a record of who the people sitting next to him no. were um, this now, is gonna go to trial I don't think so I, I'm gonna guess that that gets settled yeah. just because that's like a, a ridiculous enough news story that I could see it coming up in the news so. It, Probably for American Airlines, it's easier for them to pay it out. But I think this is a good opportunity because no one's ever really done airline jokes. I want to get into airlines a little bit. To me, flying is a fucking bug out. I haven't flown in like a while. Have you you done any like long distance? Yes. Yeah, what was like the last? Oh, that's even worse. (laughs) Cross country. Let me ask you this. If your kid is crying, do you just feel like an ass to the entire rest of the plane? Like, do you just have like your head down in shame like you feel terrible or... Yes and no. Um, yes, in the fact, like, yeah, there's definitely, you feel that, especially when it's it gets bad. Right. But at the same time, it hasn't gotten bad to the point where it's just, you know, uncomfortable, where the vast majority of the time they've been fine, so I right. feel totally fine about it. Right. That's why it's, yes, like... If I know, was like, sitting... Because I got, like, a little bit of a guilt syndrome. If I was sitting next to my kid and my kid was crying and it's, like, a nighttime flight, that might be the one time I'd hit my kid. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you can't do this. We're in public. And it's, like, a one-year-old. She doesn't know what the hell is going on. You just ruined the kid's life. Um, now, I, 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 mean, I haven't been on a plane in a couple of years. I had one of my most alcoholic moments, though, was I was flying with my dad from Atlanta. And we're getting on the flight. And I was just so anxious about, like, getting on this flight. I was like, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. And I went to the airport bar and, like, chugged two beers. To me, you cannot get on a flight. Like, my big thing on flights is Ambien. Have you ever taken Ambien? Never. Ambien's the greatest drug in the world. Like, I've never, I haven't really done it recreationally other than flying. But Ambien's amazing because you either go to sleep or you trip your balls off. Like, okay. here, here's some of the trip, like hallucinations I've had on Ambien flights. One time, I woke up in the middle of a flight to Israel, and you know, like the curtains that they have that separate like first class to second class, the curtain came to life, was dancing in the aisleway, and I thought it was like an African, like tribal person with a mask. How, how do you continue on that flight? Oh no, under no, those circumstances. So it's it's got enough of like um a tranquil effect that you don't f- freak the fuck out. You're just like holy uh-huh. shit. But then another time we were flying to California, I woke up in the middle of flight. Whole flight is green, and I'm freaking the fuck out. I'm sitting there. I was like, oh my god, I'm tripping balls. And I'm like, where the fuck am I? I was like, oh yeah, I'm on a flight. I'm like, who am I here with? I'm like, oh my mom. I'm like, should I tell her I'm tripping balls? I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And I kept having that conversation in my head for a while. Uh-huh. Wait, I'll tell you another great ambient story. I, I even forgot about the first time I took ambient. I thought I was asleep for the whole flight. My mom told me later, I literally stared at her for like six hours straight. <laughs> like I was just sitting there like mouth open, just like staring at my like mom like, even a, come up like with a words. serial killer. I, I have no memory of that. But my dad also told me some nutty stories about like hallucinating on ambient on flights. One time he said he saw like a camel on the runway. He like told the stewardess like, we can't take <laughs> off. There's a camel on the runway. <laughs> I was like, okay, sir. <laughs> so the thing that bugs me out most about flying, I'm not, I don't get bugged out by like, 
the flight. What bugs me out is anytime you're sitting on the runway, either after a flight or before a flight, especially if you're on like the plane, uh, they're loaded yeah. up and they're not telling you how long so you got to take off. And they're telling you, you got to sit in your seat with like, um, you know, like the seatbelts buckled tray and, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? When are we taking off? They don't give you any of the news. You might be there for seven hours. That is what makes me lose my shit. So I had, when I went to, um, between high school and college, I went to Israel for the year on like a program there with a hundred kids, right? Mm-hmm. We're sitting in our I've seats for an hour and a half waiting for this flight to take off. I'm sitting next to some random Seth and Joey, two best friends are like in the back row of this plane. So I'm literally, I've been in my seat probably cause I boarded the plane early cause I was anxious and I wanted to, my dad's got a big rule about seizing the overhead, making sure you get on the plane early so that you, you got all the leg space, seize the overhead. My dad's got yeah. rules for life. One of them is seize the overhead. Are you on board with that? Or you're like, well, I don't want to get I'll on the plane early. I'll discuss my uh, my thoughts. No, and, no, lay it on me. Lay it on me that first. In terms of getting on the flight versus, I being personally on. would rather get on the flight at the last possible second. That's my, that's me as well. But and I, I'd rather um, probably not have an overhead bag. I have to worry about. I don't mind the overhead, bin or you know bag to worry about, especially if. That's like your only. You don't need to go to baggage claim, right? Like, it, but that's not reasonable in my life right now, right? Because you're there flying, with yeah, all the kids and everything. Unless I was flying solo, but I'm married to someone who is a big proponent of the get on the plane first, you get, get to the airport first. as you know early as possible. Early as possible. That's I, just that's just nervous people energy. I think it, yeah, it's there's definitely a different type of personality. So. Right. Yeah, I guess I've become that just i kind of i gotta say i kind of also have the get to the airport early thing because until i'm at the airport it's the only thing that's on my mind oh yeah for sure i'm 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 bored with that but at the same time i want to leave you know right i kind of balance that i get both anyways so we're sitting there for like i've been in my seat probably two hours right and it's like an hour and a half and i finally get so fed up of like waiting for this plane to take off i get on my seat i'm like ah, i'm just gonna go talk to like seth and joey's plane now it's to sit down and when i got up from my seat there were all sorts of people like standing around i walked to the back of the plane to seth and joey and i guess in the three minutes i'm standing there miraculously everyone's in their seats and the plane's ready to take off okay <laughs> so now i'm the only person standing up in the back of the plane whatever now normal circumstances maybe like a stewardess comes up to you and goes like hey we're actually all ready to board can you return to your seat that's not what happens here the pilot like comes out of the cockpit <laughs> and yells at me and he's got like that heavy israeli accent which i can try like rates you hey well, what are you doing in the aisle hey come on get back to your seat and then he doesn't just like I talk. I stop talking to them and I start walking back to my st- my seat. And instead of being done, he literally berates me the entire way back to my seat <laughs> in front of a hundred kids Probably I don't you. know that I'm about to spend a year with. <laughs> and he's like, hey, "Why? Why you got to hold up a whole plane? We're ready to fucking fly." And I mean, he's not cursing at me, but literally yells at me for like the entire minute it takes me to go from the back row to my seat. Well, he probably lives for those moments. Oh yeah, probably made his yeah. entire life. Like he was Not just waiting life. for like, the day. He, you know, the stu- their protocol is the stewardess like tells the pilot so he could go back if, and like. If I just... play back that incident, it still doesn't make sense to me why he was not in the cockpit. How the entire plane got seated in the duration of time I was standing up. Why he yelled at me the whole like that was a mind fuck. Maybe um, you were hallucinating. 
No, I hadn't taken the Ambien yet. Oh, okay. Hello, who knows? Maybe I made that whole story up. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Could be. Whatever. It's good. <laughs> um, oh, wait, are we still talking about airplanes? Yeah, we're still on airplanes. So this is a tough one. I think if you're too fat, it's almost like roller coaster rides where they got that, you know, you got to be a certain height to get on. I think it's reasonable because you're literally intruding on the guy sitting next to you. It's not like it's a no harm, no foul. We actually pay to some extent for the weight of a plane. So I think that if you are of a size that you can't just fit into your seat, you should be forced to buy two seats. I think they have implemented that in some that places. That's like a done thing now? I mean, I don't fly like often enough mm-hmm. to know. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know the exact rules, but I know that's been brought up countless times before that i think wasn't kevin smith the director he got thrown he was off like, a flight wasn't he like charged for two no i think he was like gonna get thrown off demand, a flight uh, and then he tweeted about it and then it became a whole thing mm-hmm. if i was there i think what i would do is and, and this would just change the market i think i would actually i, I mean it's horrible to have to weigh people when they show up like that's just like a shitty situation and a time waster that's not necessarily a time waster you As step on you step oh. on the scale. I I don't know because I I think what would end up happening is you'd end up with an airline that would have to kind of cater to larger people, or larger people would be forced to pay for business class. And I don't know if you're too big for an economy seat. That's just kind of like what it is. It sucks. Uh-huh. I'm a little bit overweight. It sucks. You feel like shit, but it is what it is. Like you can't. I don't know. But you're not a. No, I'm not at the level. To- I'm not at the le- also I'm short, so I'm not at the level where it's like I'm ruining someone's evening because. Right. What's your take? Or you don't have a take? <laughs> I don't want to have a take. You don't want to have a take. Okay. So I feel like I'm gonna be cursed. You're gonna be cursed for having a take. <laughs> you don't want to talk bad about your own. You're My not. Kind. You're not of the size where you're like. No, oh, I don't shit, think this don't, guy. You're not well, that I'm size. Sh- I'm sure I'm of the size of if I'm sitting in a seat. And people are, you know, walking towards. No, I know you're not that big. You don't think I'm where it'd be like, uh, I'd prefer not to. Because you're not you're not like sloppy fat and you got a friendly face where it might be like friendly face. Yeah, you're like, hey, this guy would be okay to hang out with. I don't get that a lot. Not you're not like sloppy fat. but You're also not like, yeah, look at this hot broad who I think I'm going to have a chance with, but I won't end up making conversation with Uh at all. That's always the most exciting. You're like, ah, this hot broad <laughs> stuck next to me. And you know that in her head, she's like, oh, fuck, oh, this fuck. creep's going to try and hit on me. So this is the absolute opposite of an article. In France, they're banning extremely thin models. Ooh. So what they're going to do is um, you're going to have to get a doctor to say that you're of a healthy body weight. Whew. And if there's one thing we like celebrating on the show, it's good jobs. Being the doctor who's got to inspect models has to be a great He's job. He's probably earned that. Well, I figure Over it's got to be a gay it's, guy. There's no way. A st- no, I think I think it's a doctor who like is has done so much good work over the years <laughs> that they're just like, all right, got you did you did a real good. You right. get this job for the next five years. That, like that should be the job if you cure cancer. Yeah, then you get to become the naked model exactly. inspector guy. That 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 or is if you the cure way. Some lot, whatever it is, if you do good work. Boom. That is the yeah. way that society should allocate that. Because that's so great because they show up and they're like, all right, let's make sure that you're healthy. All right, you're going to have to get naked. And then if it's and any straight to... guy, if anything, they'll be like, I can only see three of your ribs. Here's some Adderall so uh, we can see all. <laughs> but here's what's crazy to me about um... – oh, this was also funny to me. 
is that like them having to do the opposite of wrestlers for weigh-in. You know what I mean? It's like they're growing out their pubic hair, chugging water, shoving a pickle in their ass, like just doing whatever they can to be of weight so uh-huh. that they can lose it afterwards. Um, but to me, that's dumb because like you have women, they literally have no skill other than their ability to be really skinny and pretty. And you're going to deprive them of that? Like, Well, France is not a nice country. You mean that they're they're hard asses like that? They're hard asses. I feel like yeah. I also I just feel like it's a it's a great system. You put the skinniest people in magazines. We make everyone else feel bad for not being that skinny. Some feel motivated enough to improve themselves. Other ones feel so shitty about themselves they just put out. Why are we? Fi- this seems like a good system to me. You're saying to copycat? No, no, no. I'm saying the the skinny the model. model on a magazine. And everyone else feeling shamed and shitty. <laughs> to me, it's not bad. Now, we got the opposite thing going on in America where they put like that, the bigger and the uh, older chick on the last Sports Illustrated. I don't know if you checked that out, but the on the cover model on the last Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition was like a heavy, heavy set chick. Kate Upton? No, no, it wasn't Kate Upton. It was this different chick. This is the chick. Ready? I'll kind of describe her body. Pretty face. Unbelievable tits. Unbelievable tits. Her stomach... It, it, it like borders on flat. It's not like hanging off anywhere, but then she has your ass <laughs> and that's her body. Now, like as much as they make this claim of like the hot chicks sets a precedent on the cover of magazines. Imagine if every magazine was like a chick like that. I don't think tall, skinny women are walking around like, oh, I'm fucked. I'm tall and skinny. Like, oh, fuck me. Like, in other words, I don't really think magazines can set that much of a precedent for what is and isn't attractive. I think they're more playing to the market of, this is what we find attractive, so they're putting it on a magazine yeah. cover. Yeah, well, I don't know. It, it, it goes it goes both ways, because then, like, you get, that was probably fought for, <laughs> you know, the having, like, a, a fuller model or whatever. You know, because we need to even we need to promote. Well, I somewhat understand. I, I've heard that they that. have to start putting like augmented image, so that people know that oh, it's like, that it um, yeah, that's good. But like on the same note, as a dude, you know, I like. Well, let's not talk about men. Let's just let let's keep the conversation sure on the ladies. I feel like all of life is that we're competitive, and the people who are the best at something, we kind of champion and parade it. And we all feel worse that we're not that thing. And that's just what life is like. Athletes. We're not going to put shitty oh, yeah. athletes to play baseball so that me and you can feel good about our shitty baseball skills. Like, yeah. this is just a thing. Okay, we put the prettiest good. people on the front of a magazine. This is all who we find to be the most attractive. And that's what we're, life is. Like, yeah. what, what, are, what, what are we doing here? There, that's the thing. I think things are trying to change. So here's, here's what's most interesting to me about this. I think that this is what's going to be the death of traditional media. Because now... <laughs> this? Yes. Getting the hot women off of magazine covers. No, it's not that. It's that this idea that we can police media or police people's interest or BPC, I think, is going to erode the market share of traditional media because people keep coming in to police it and say, hey, we can't be putting this out in the world, and everyone who wants to consume that will just go online and find it. So, like, the traditional companies, like, if they were putting up, you know less attractive models and you can go on Instagram and actually see the hot chicks. You're just going to go on Instagram. Now, 
to work off hot chicks and how many ribs are exposed and that kind of thing. So I read this interesting article. Um, it was in the journal. What's with the how, ribs? What? What's with the ribs? Oh, you don't like a nice rib on a lady? Ugh, nah. An exposed rib? What's better than that? A lot. Yeah, I, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really my thing. Like, it sounds people, like your thing. People like tits, and I'm like, I like. I just like being able to see a, a nice rib exposed cage. rib. Nothing like <laughs> feeling up a lady and feeling the the crest having, between having to. I like maneuver rib. through the the rib. I like region. some really tight skin. <laughs> um, it was how Gawker affiliated website made ESPN politically correct. And what they were talking about was that ESPN got so attacked by Gawker and other websites that they kind of stopped taking risks um, and that their content just kind of starts to fall off and people stop watching ESPN. That's not entire. I'm giving you yeah. that in a nutshell. But I've seen that a lot on television. They were like pressured. Is that I think they're putting out content that they know they won't be attacked online for. I think that's part of why Trevor Safe. Noah got the Daily Show job is that like you take a dude who's was South African apartheid. Just he, he hits every PC bell and whistle that they're like, no one's going to complain when we promote this guy. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think all these networks are going to lose out because the content that people actually like will be available online. They're just going to go online. Yeah. It's like watered down and riskless with the major networks or whatever. And then, and then just, it's just bad content. So, run your mouth. We don't have much of an agenda aside from uh, trying to keep women down. I mean, that's like, if we have one running theme in what we're doing here and talking about these skinny models. Is it? No, it's not really our agenda. But, I mean, we're white men of power, and we try and use our power, you know, to keep the minorities down. That's what white men are about, are keeping minorities in their place. So, on that note, I want to talk about Janet Yellen. You know who Janet Yellen is? Yes. That's, that's the mother goose works over at the federal reserve so she gave a big speech this past week and she was kind of talking about women this women that really going on about i think she she wants to kind of keep her job so she's gonna talk about women's things as much as possible to make it hard for trump to fire her i think that's Uh, kind of her agenda how about just being a woman no there's the fact that she's a woman but then if she's actually a woman who keeps talking about and trying to champion like women's rights i think it makes it harder in the media for him to get rid of her now, as to whether or not he will try and get rid of her is probably going to somewhat come down to um, interest rates, which is not something we really want to get into right oh, now. No. Okay. So I want to read something that she said in her speech. Um, and this actually, this is partly from the Bloomberg article, and then it's partially lines from her, but it's two paragraphs. So she was talking about how women don't make as much as men um, in the workplace. Without addressing that, I just want to read the per- two paragraphs. So personal bias is obviously one factor. But the one that Yellen focus on um, is the structure of society itself, particularly the fact that women can tear to continue to bear the lion's share of domestic and child-rearing responsibilities. This isn't breaking news to women in the workplace, nor is it something that the head of the world's most powerful central, uh, central bank typically spends a lot of time on. Yellen concluded with some mainstream suggestions. So now this is Yellen. For instance, improving access to affordable and good quality child care would appear to fit the bill as it has been shown to support full-time employment. So in other words, if like we had public child care, then you know, women wouldn't have to take a leave of absence from the workplace. They'd be able to kind of work full-time. Are you hearing like, a, like an electronic oh, yeah. noise? Oh, it's my phone by the thing. Um, and recently, there also seems to be momentum providing families with paid leave at the time of childbirth. Um, now, what's interesting about that to me is that is that actually a better way to structure society 
Like, do we want women to not be home taking care of their kids? Like, if we're being forward-looking about what do we want society to be? How do we want our kids to be raised? Is it actually a better option that women are working full-time? Now, I'm not sure, but here's the more interesting thing to me. And now, you want to talk talking out of your ass, running your mouth. This is that. I don't leave my apartment much. I don't date. My limited perspective on women is very limited. So this could be... Just kind of hear about them. The most inaccurate thing I've ever said. But I think... I can't wait. I think men, we get a thrill out of being providers. Like, I think if you're a dude and you make enough money that your chick doesn't have to work and I don't know what she does with her free time, that doesn't bother you. As a dude, you feel like, I'm providing. I'm, like, doing my role. This is awesome. I, I don't think men are upset by that. I actually think it's um a point of pride. I think women, on the other hand, if they are the primary provider or they're doing better than their husband, I, I can't say this for all women, but I think a lot of women actually feel like they're missing out on something. Like, part of their experience is, oh, I married someone who makes more money than me. I think that's something that they like. Even if they're doing well professionally, they want someone who's doing better because still part of, like, I think they actually resent men. Like, I think, like, if you're a chick and you're, like, a lawyer and you're doing really well and you end up dating someone who doesn't do as well as you, like, let's say a male nurse or a construction worker, I think, well, construction worker might be a little bit different, but I do think a lot of women, they have, like, a resentment, like, or where did I fuck up that I'm so undesirable that I became the primary earner here? It's a very hot take. Now, what's most interesting about that, if that's true, I can't say that that's entirely true, but it's very interesting to me that if, let's just say, a female would rather... Just this in a vacuum. In a vacuum. Let's just imagine, because it's probably true for some people, not everyone, but let's say your average female resents being the primary provider and would like to be with someone who makes more money than them, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time... They don't want to make less money in the workplace. They want to make equal, if not more. So then they're setting themselves up to be miserable either in that they can't find a a spouse who they actually find attractive or they can't make as much money as they want to make. It's one or the other. You can't have both. Right. So I, I think in some ways they almost have conflicting agendas, which is that we haven't quite accepted that... Maybe they're and by the way, society might evolve past these gender roles. It might well, be. I was just gonna say, if you're wrong on on that kind of top level, just about the how women feel about that, right? Then there's nothing to really yeah discuss. I bet it's true for a lot of women. It's probably not true for all, right? Like, I wonder if there's, for instance, like imagine just reverse gender role. You're a fantastically wealthy. 50 year old lady fantastically wealthy career as a lawyer never got married does that lady i mean i'm sure there are some would they really want to date like a hot 20 year old male who does nothing but goes to the gym would that be a thrill to them depends on what they're into because for every dude on the planet that's like the dream you make enough money and then you just got some hot 20 year old who's like yeah well again in a very um macro sense of the you know this outlook and and picture it's it's not about <laughs> that that's the goal of every single woman but you're saying just isolated like oh it'd be you know that'd be a great way to get some uh, what you're saying some hot young stud right. guy like you I'm know more, you go out and make right. make a, a ton and then... i think i made some inflammatory comments up front in trying to address this segment for the sake <laughs> yeah, of humor <laughs> which made you uncomfortable which means it just came out wrong um 
think it looked better in, on paper than it did coming out of my mouth. No, but I'll, what I'm what I'm more getting at is what's, what's all about running your mouth. What's interesting to me is like, I think in some of these, I don't want to say in some of these ways that we're reforming society. I'm wondering if it actually makes people happier and if it's a better approach. So you can even go to the just the child rearing, which she's talking about here, where she's like, let's get more. Um, like what I'm almost asking is, was there a better division of labor where a man's in the office working and the female's home taking care of the, now, obviously that doesn't work for everybody, but But you're saying on a basic level. Yeah. Is that like a working thing that for, for it's worked? Well, let's look at it this way. I think every parental unit is probably feels the most long-term life fulfillment if their child does well in life. Yeah. So let's say we could prove that a child in its early stages of development will is set up for the most success if it's spending time with their mother, right? Because the mother's home and not just working. So then theoretically, every female would agree, oh, I guess that's the that's best way do. for longer-term happiness. So to have like a Janet Yellen saying, hey, we got to restructure society so that women can be in the workplace so that they have the same opportunity as men. What I'm asking is, and I'm not – making a firm case because I don't know enough about right. this. I'm wondering, is that really the way that we want to structure society? I would disagree. What? With with what she's With Janie Yellen? Well, that's kind of the relationship you have with having a wife. She's yeah. home, baking you cookies, wearing an apron all day, just waiting for you to come home. Yeah, and that's <laughs> probably never, ever, <laughs> ever happened. But Okay. Yeah, in a, in a theoretical sense, that's exactly what... It is, and, and I I agree with you in terms of um, that. That I think is what's best cut out for our children. That's the best model, right. I think. You know, like <laughs> I wouldn't. But wanna, I want to say, like, to I me, wouldn't want to be home right all day long. And I do feel I I do you know feel good about providing for them, and then also being. And, you know, helping out also with them and bring them up and shit like that. And I think that that balance is, is good. But at the same time, like my wife sometimes will feel there's a there's a feeling of um, like that. She's not. How do I phrase this? Being as productive as a uh... right. Like that she doesn't feel as fulfilled as right. if. She had a even job. though, even though, like you know, the what, what is, I th- I think that's short sighted, right? Where well, I actually it's, think it's every, not looking, yeah. you know, a, a future outlook of, ha- say, of how that's gonna pan right. out. Like I think yeah, every, maybe it's not. I it's, think if you're a female, you should work, and I think they're just as capable as working. They should have fulfilling careers if they want to do that. But I guess more what I'm saying is to me, having the best career and the most success is not the most fulfilling thing in life. So like if I, if, if I was like, um, if, if my goal in life was having kids or I was planning to have kids, my thought process would be what's a career that I could have that would allow me the maximum amount of time possible to be home with my kids. My thought wouldn't be where can the state step in and take care of my kids for me so that I can have the best career possible. And just to kind of speak to myself, that's exactly what I've done in trying. My goal in life is to have a comedy career. So I'm trying to find the easiest possible day job to support the lifestyle of a comedy career. It's a matter of goals. Uh So I guess what I'm saying is it's a matter of goals and balance. So what I, I guess what I'm getting at is to me, 
Yeah, if, if you're like if you're a single female and you don't want to have kids and you want to have the best career, in, you should have perfect, as yeah. good of a career as men, and that should be amazing. But if we're looking at the overall statistics of society and saying mm-hmm. this is the reason why women haven't done as well, it's because they're home raising children. So we got to change this that they're not home raising children is crazy to me. Yeah, that doesn't sound affected. like a way that we should structure it society. Feels like a losing, <laughs> a losing kind of game plan. Right down the because you know I, I think in in some sense well, it's working. I think, I think we turn that segment into horrible big from horrible bigotry into something some, somewhat some sunny outlook. Incisive in um, what's the word I'm looking for there? Not incisive, insightful. Insightful. Thank you. I I mixed together the word insightful and indecisive. <laughs> and, you t- and you and what came out was inciting, which is not what. <laughs> that is all what we were going for. All right, so we're talking about those models before. We had a little bit of lady talk. Um, now, Donald Trump has a theory on exercise. Can you imagine what Donald Trump's theory on exercise is? Do you want to take a guess at this? No. Okay. <laughs> Donald Trump has a theory on exercise that he believes that people are born with a finite amount of energy, and therefore they shouldn't exercise if they want to live longer. What the fuck? Okay, and now what's great about that is that he believes that exercise is too much time and energy, but getting your hair done, your face painted orange, and tweeting at 4 a.m., that's going to keep you fresh. <laughs> it's been keeping him fresh. Yeah, and I can't wait to, like, at some point he's walking he's upstairs, he's just breathing heavy, and he's like, this was a great idea. <laughs> and he's also the most, like, I, I actually know this firsthand. I had a friend who went to the taping of the Trump, like, uh, The Apprentice or whatever, and he used to do the shtick where he'd come out and like he would hug someone. In the, I never watched the show. He would like hug someone on the way out to like the conference room from the audience. Is that a thing? Maybe that's I just in. So that day, I guess he didn't feel that comfortable with his hair, and he's like, "No one can touch me." So he canceled the hugging segment. So this guy cares about how he looks. This is ridiculous. Oh, but sure. what I also thought would be great is like they asked, "Well, so does Melania work out?" He's like, "Yeah, of course." What do you think? I'm gonna <laughs> fuck some fat pig? Yeah, my wife works out. <laughs> I'm Trump. What are you talking about? Wasn't um, that his kind of whole? That's. The whole uh, immigrant issue, also like she's an immigrant, and like oh, oh yeah, yeah it's sure, immigrants. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, well, if they're hot and blowing you, exactly. what, what are you going to complain what I'm about? Saying, yeah, yeah. Like, of course she has to exercise, she has right? Then because she otherwise whole, whole upgrade, me, like, yeah. yeah. Um, now this article blew my mind. Apparently, when Brad Pitt broke up with Angelina Jolie, he went to rehab. Okay, had a bit For of a, what? Bit of a drug and alcohol problem. Okay. So I'm reading this article, and Brad Pitt goes, Sitting with those horrible feelings and needing to understand them and putting them into place, said Pitt, who adds in the article that he's now in therapy. And what's crazy to me is Brad Pitt looking in the mirror and going, I'm so ugly, everyone hates me. <laughs> it's like you were literally just paid $50 million or $20 million to be in a movie just because you look pretty, and people think you're the coolest guy on the planet, and even uh-huh. you hate yourself. Like, Yeah, we, we none of us stand the chance if that's happening. Yeah, it's like just give up on trying to look good or be in shape or caring about who these models are. Like Everyone should just be nicer to each other and understand that we all think we're pieces of shit. There's no escaping <laughs> rally thinking you're pieces of shit. Um, now... As we're going to start moving into healthcare, because that was big this week, there was some healthcare reform. So what's great about technology um, is that it brings hope for new remedies. Okay. As technology progresses, talking about like WebMD. Sure, WebMD. <laughs> you can go on there, be convinced you have cancer. Everyone's made that joke. But technology gets better. We learn new things. So what scientists found out this week is that eating boogers is actually good for your health. Oh well, that's great. Are you ready for this? It can be good for your teeth. 
is they are rich reservoir of good bacteria. According to research published in the Journal of the American Society for Microbiology, not only can snot keep bacteria from sticking to teeth, it might also help the immune system fight back against respiratory infections, stomach ulcer, and HIV. How much How much do you need to intake? I don't know, but I love the thought of hanging out with some dude. He's like, you know, I just fucked this chick without a rubber. I'm going to get AIDS. They're like, dude, you got to eat some boogers fast. <laughs> got to get on some of those boogers. Now, with the healthcare being passed, there was this big story with um, Chris Collins where he straight up said, I think he, um, he's in Congress, so he straight up said that he didn't read it. And he goes, no one read it. Like of the new reform, he goes, no one read it. We rely on our staff. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of people made that statement. They're like, we rely on our staff to read through these things, tell us whether or not it's a good, a good idea or not a good idea, and then we vote based on the report that our staff is giving us. Give the staff a quiz. If you guys are going to pass 1,000-page, multi... Like, we've talked this more than once. No more Hail Marys. One thing at a time. Or try things out. Go go to one hospital. The, uh... Have a test market. Every company in the world works that way. You guys make these overhauls that can't possibly work. You can't possibly understand them. I think when they show up to fucking vote on something... We got tested in school. They are the system. We got put through bullshit system our entire life. You're going to show up and you're going to vote on a bill. You need to show that you're competent in what that bill is about. And if you would wanna, it be a, a vote both ways, if you're voting for or voting against, I don't care. You, it's a standardized you're showing quiz. Up, on the, you're showing up to vote. It's a quiz for gotta, everyone. There's got to be a competency. Now, if you want to say, well, my staff advised me and I rely on my staff. Quiz them. Fine. Quiz the staff. I want to know that someone fucking read what you were making an impactful change for the country on. Yeah, I'm behind that shit. Or I, I, or somebody like even if or even if you want to delegate, hey, Paul Ryan makes the decisions. I'm gonna stand behind Paul Ryan. Then Paul Ryan's got to pass some sort of a thing where he can really explain this is why this is a good idea. I know everything that's you know, in here. You know that somebody's got to though. Somebody's got to be responsible. Like, there's got to be some sort of, like, competency amongst Congress of, we know what we just passed. Oh, I'd love to Otherwise, see that, Otherwise, that's just like, insanity. Test. Otherwise, it's it's literally insanity that you're going to pass laws that affect millions of people, and you don't know what's in it. That, that well, makes no know, sense. They know the little shit that's in it the, that they're voting for with all the tax breaks and shit like that. I guess. Now, um, there was this out- outrage that when they passed the bill, they celebrated with Bud Lights, that they had, like, this huge cart of Bud Lights ready to go. Now, there was debate whether or not that was fake news. Now, first and foremost, to me, the fact that there was outrage over that, the fact that it's Bud Light seems really fratty. That just seems weird to me that, like, but if you actually, the Republican Party's been working on this for years. They're trying to create reform that they think is going to help. So to me, to be outraged over the fact that they've worked on something for years and they're celebrating it with a drink is crazy. But they're trying to create this narrative like this is, like, Hitler figuring out, you know, finally the final solution. You know what I mean? Like, they're treating this like... And the extent that they're being dramatic about it is pissing me off. I think they would find flaws with with anything that they did. If they were celebrating with champagne right they'd be like oh, oh they'd be upset about that also because like, no because but they're they're treating it like hey they're celebrating the fact that they want to no, kill 24 million people other, yeah they're not celebrating no but that's a picture that they're painting oh for sure so i thought this was hilarious they tried they're, they're starting a service where if you die because you didn't have health care coverage 
they'll cremate you and mail your ashes to the senator in your state if they voted against Obamacare. I mean, vote, voted to strike down Obamacare. God. But now, to me, if you think Republicans are the most evil people on the planet, and they specifically wanted to strip your health care so that innocent people will die, maybe they wanted your ashes. Like, <laughs> maybe they're going to shower they your ashes. Maybe, you can't just be giving them the ashes. Like, this is the fucking devil. This guy specifically wanted you to die. He passed a reform so that you would be miserable, not be able to get health coverage, and die. Who knows what his agenda is? I can't wrap my head around people that evil. You, you don't want to... Maybe that's what they were after. But if anything... Don't send them your ashes. You don't know if they're going to open it. I don't think that goes far enough. Yeah, they're going to pop open a Bud Light. And, uh, yeah, I think, if anything, you should there. have someone spread it on their lawn. <laughs> I love the situation. Like, you know, like, they're sitting there. It's like out in Kentucky. Little little Timmy wakes up in the morning. He thinks it's the Dust Bowl again. Like, are our crops not going to grow? And he's like, no, no, no. That's no, just the ashes of all the people daddy daily, killed. <laughs> our daily ash. Uh, right. Spreading. And at this point, if you're asking me, if you're already going to burn like your body and send them your ashes i think it would be more effective to send your organs because it's like multiple like at different times i think best this is what you should do this this is what i would do if i Let's was here if i was these liberals you can't go to a hospital you can't get coverage the, the system hates you everyone hates you there's no coverage you're gonna die i say you go on a death march and you show up at that senator's house that way every morning he wakes up and he's like fuck there's another dead guy on my lawn again <laughs> You can go die on the yeah. doorstep of, of these guys. Exactly. Now, here's one yeah, of the Yeah, that most, would change shit. I think that would change shit. Because when people have to confront their decisions, if you actually believe that they are trying to create a system that... Will kill all of them. That is going to kill you and is trying to not improve it, but make the situation worse to make sure that you don't have health care and that you die, show up on their fucking door and make them confront the fact that they're killing you. Now, I had this incident once. I think I was like... I feel like you died before getting there. I think I was 11 years old. And we were supposed to go on a synagogue chesed charity mission to an old age home. But instead of an old age home, something got messed up and we ended up at a hospice. (laughs) (laughs) And I think maybe they figured it out and we went to the other location or maybe like we had made plans at the wrong place or in this hospice. (laughs) But at one point... (laughs) <laughs> there's this old lady and she didn't even have a room right she's just like out in the hallway on like on like a table or something and she looks like if you sent a human being to mars without a helmet you know what i mean like that's and she's literally lying on this chair and i can't remember if she was screaming at me and ellie help me or kill me it was one of the two i don't remember <laughs> But I remember it being the most horrifying sight of my life. I still because can't you didn't you it. didn't want to do either. No, I didn't want to see some dying old lady. You didn't want to kill anyone. You definitely didn't want to. Help I had her. no way to help her. Yeah, and I definitely didn't have a way to kill her. So there really wasn't much I could do for her. Which means you don't want to see that. It's like home. You just don't want to see it. So if that's honestly your belief. I mean it. Show up to their fucking house. Die on their lawn. Um, But I got to say, it's bothering me the control of the narrative. Because the extreme that they go to in saying, like, you're murdering us. Like, the sale to me of the liberals is going, pretending like conservatives don't want to help people. Or the Mm -hmm. libertarians don't want to help people. It's like, why can't government come along and help me? There's a really good book I read called um, Why Good People Are Divided by Religion and Politics, right? It's not that we don't want to help people. It's that we think we have a different 
way of doing it. We got a better way of doing it. And you guys are pulling these insane emotional triggers that doesn't allow us to have an educated conversation about what might actually work. You keep parading this idea that government's going to come in and help people, and they don't. It doesn't work. I I almost feel like what the Republicans needed to do was prior to this, they needed to pull these emotional punches on why Obamacare wasn't working. They needed like a Sarah McLachlan song. They needed the director from like those, um, when you see those TV commercials with the dying dogs late at night. You know uh-huh. what I'm talking about? Isn't that Sarah McLachlan? Yeah, with the, um, oh, I had it queued up before the, I will remember yeah, you. And then you see some starving dog. The Republicans needed that shit beforehand of all the people who didn't have health care coverage because basically they just made a claim like, hey, some people don't have coverage or these are the areas where people can't afford coverage, but they didn't actually make us confront the reality or, you know what, make a video of what 2050 is going to look like if debt continues to grow in the way it does. Let's see. Everyone's going to die. Let's see what that looks like. Like, you want to play this game of the worst-case scenario emotional trigger? Fine. Let, 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 let's get the director who creates the saddest shit on the planet. And then there was even, um, oh, I want to play, uh, fuck, why did I close it? I had up here, they're even, they've been playing ads, like, of um, sick people in areas where people are now running again for Congress of this person made it so that these people couldn't have health care. Uh-huh. And it's hard to watch that and not get emotional and go, oh, my God, what have they done? Now, I haven't read anything about this new Republican plan. I'm not saying I'm pro the Republican plan. What I am saying is I hate this emotional narrative where they just try and pretend like I, – I, I don't think Republicans are trying to kill people. I don't know that they're doing enough to help. I don't know I, – I literally haven't done enough research, but I do know as a libertarian, I'm investing in this. I don't have fucking health insurance, and I know that there's a better way for me to be able to afford health care, mm-hmm. and it's not government stepping into the marketplace to help out. And now I want to expand on that a little bit. Okay. Okay. So I think the big argument is they keep going like, hey, it's 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 the socialism argument of, hey, we got this government thing. They can take care of stuff for us, right? But to me, it's like if you had a picnic. Let's say us and our group of friends, we get together, I don't know, maybe once a year. Now let's imagine the once a year we had a picnic. I mean, we don't have picnics. Barbecue. We have a barbecue. It's a fucking good-ass barbecue, right? So let's say we put one guy in charge of the booze, and the booze is the most important part of the entire barbecue, right? Can't have a bar- maybe the Maybe the burgers, the, the beef. Let's make it one guy's in charge of the beef and the booze. The two most important things the bar. The rest of us are showing up with buns, cake, the nonsense. One guy's uh-huh. in charge of the beef and the booze. And he shows up, and he brings... That's a lot on... Oh. He brings Manischewitz wine and veggie burgers. He fucks up. That ruins the barbecue. No one wants. No one's getting hammered on Manischewitz wine without getting sick. No one's getting sick on veggie burgers. And then you know what he goes? He goes, you know what? For next year, I really want to be able to do this right for you. So everyone's just got to give me more money so that I can get it right. That's what government's doing. They repeatedly fuck up. They keep telling us, hey, I can take care of this thing. And then when they don't do it, instead of going, you know what? Someone else should take care of this. They go, I just need more money to get it right. No, you don't. You're incapable of doing it. You're self-serving entity, and you just keep fucking us. You brought a fuckload of veggie burgers. Yeah, I don't want veggie burgers at my barbecue. Yeah. I don't, and they probably brought veggie burgers the past seven That's years. That's all of life. You fuck up the responsibility that you have, and we go, fine, we're going to give someone else that responsibility. Government's the only one that when they fuck up a responsibility, we go, oh, we got to give them more resources. They just and didn't more have enough. They just didn't have more. They didn't have enough responsibility in this. Uh huh. 
There's no other thing in life that works that way. It drives me nuts. Um, all right, I have more on the, but that's enough libertarian nonsense. Um, now, this was a New York Times um, headline. In rare unity, hospitals, doctors, and insurance criticize health bill. And you read that and you go, oh my God, everyone working in the industry is against this. Yeah, that's all the people that turn a profit. The fact yeah. that everyone's profiting off of health care means there might actually be good things in here. For sure. So now here's where this all kind of comes full circle and is a huge problem. There's been public outrage as of late with um, companies that have been basically making huge profits off of um, medications. So there was an article in the journal, um, uh, bipartisan backlash on drug prices prompts one comp company to cash out. Then you had that farmer bro. Do you remember that? That was like, he got kicked off Twitter. He bought, um, I can't remember if it was the EpiPen or something else, and oh, he ramped up scrally. the prices. Yes. Yeah. But the point is, if we kind of know specifically who's fucking us, public outrage will correct oh, that. Oh, for sure. Nobody likes to be hated. So if instead of like- That guy likes to be hated. Well, he might, because he, uh, that's two calls in a row from, uh, from my boss, but we're recording here. I'll get back to him shortly. Um, what could be important at 11 o'clock at night? Yeah, me and him have conversations at weird hours about work <laughs> and I, I got a lot on my plate. I've been getting affected, man. We're getting some, we're getting some serious work done. Things there are, go. things are turning around in the industry. Bet DSI. Um, yeah. They Anyways. Didn't pay for <laughs> spot. To, to stay, to stay on point here. If we actually knew who we should vilify, we can make changes. So imagine like government didn't exist in the marketplace. Insurance didn't exist in the marketplace. We would scream at hospitals. We would scream at doctors. We would scream at the right culprits. Right. But the fact that we're looking at government, like they're supposed to have responsibility for this. Or that they're actually carrying out any of the, the things is just backwards. Yeah. What I'm saying is we can Rob. legitimately correct this stuff with public outrage if we had the right information. And, and the so right the fact, guidance or And direction. so the fact that, like, the idea that, oh, these Republicans are stripping your health care from you, when, to me, the reality is health care is not something that government should be providing for you. I, I, there's a lot of nonsense in this industry. And if we could start identifying what the actual nonsense is and correcting it and looking at the culprits... We could start fixing it. So here, like, and I can tell you some of the nonsense. It's licensing laws. That's the biggest thing. Like, for instance, if you wanted to become like an Uber of healthcare tomorrow and figure out a direct matchup plan between dot, you can't do it. There's so much regulation in the yeah. industry that it's impossible to come up with new innovative ways to drive down costs. Insurance <laughs> is the single biggest thing that makes coverage so expensive because we all don't have to actually pay out of pocket for this shit. If insurance didn't exist, these people are companies. They want to turn a profit. And like I said, I'm personally invested. I don't have fucking health care. I want health care. You know why I can't get health care? I'll tell you. I'm lazy. No, but here's the other thing. I don't know what my income is. I, I work a commission sales job, right? So in order to get health care coverage, you have to kind of tell them what your income is. Like my income right now might be low enough that I can get Medicaid. I don't want to have a low enough income for Medicaid, but I also don't want to have to call them up every week and go, hey, I made enough money this week that I shouldn't be on Medicaid. Then the even worse version of that, now I'm really ranting. I, I can see on your face that I'm losing you completely. No, I'm, I'm right there with you, but... If I signed up for health care, and let's say I got like a bronze Obamacare package, now I have to start to figure out at what income level does it just go to the government? In other words, like... Where you're not utilizing properly. No, it, you can get to a point where it's like, if I make more money, it's just not a tax credit that I'm still going to receive for my health insurance. I'm literally giving charity to my company by working because this money's not going to go into my pocket. Right. 
That's insane. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit down and do that calculation. So I'm just not going to get fucking healthcare. Okay. I think these fuckers are going to take oh. me of my money. I'm well, probably going to get some healthcare. I, I'm probably going to get. Okay. I got one more thing. Medicaid. Can you, uh, can you handle one more thing? I actually have two more things. Can you handle two more things? I could handle one and a half. Okay, we're actually, at the, we're, we're actually at the one hour mark even. You did good. Okay, so as we've kind of ranted a little bit about libertarians and healthcare and all the things that government's doing to fuck us, um, I think where they fuck us the most is with the Federal Reserve and what they do with the money supply. Next. <laughs> and dollar demand. And now all of that is too complicated for any of us to really understand. So we end up doing is ranting and yelling about all this other stuff, which isn't nearly as important to really understanding how the government's yeah. fucking us. So I read Isn't that all politics? Yes. And all politicking. It, like it's they really, just kind of take the hot button issues that really don't right. matter. It's really interest rates, money, and all the things that the Jews are doing that the rest of us can't understand. Mm-hmm. So I read this article from Doug Casey. Now, to be honest, it was in Zero Hedge. Zero Hedge is a weird website because everything on there is numbers, charts. It seems accurate, but if you read it every day, you're going to think the world's going to end tomorrow. So it's it, it's a. I think that website's super informative, but it you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt because yes. it's just not what you're going to see in the world. Because but, they keep on pumping out articles and right. But these the, these two paragraphs I thought really kind of captured. Um, what the issue is with the Federal Reserve and what they're doing with money. So I'm going to read it because, um, and then I'll kind of explain a little bit. Unfortunately, they ignore that and completely ignore that the way a person or society becomes wealthy is by, by producing more than they consume and saving the difference. That difference savings is how you create capital. Without capital, you're reduced to substance, scratching the earth with a stick. These people think that by inflating, which is to say destroying the currency, they can create prosperity. But what they're really doing is destroying capital. When you destroy the value of the currency, that discourages people from saving it. And when people don't save, they can't build capital and the vicious cycle goes on. So in other words, when you, like, let's just take an extreme. We don't have this here, but like in Japan, you have a negative interest rate. Uh-huh. And also like um, Bush did this when the economy goes sour, they try and promote spending to get things going and low interest rates. But if you... And that's kind of the way society's geared right now. We want people, it's geared for people to be in debt, spend, spend, spend. That's what keeps the society alive. I think our GDP is like, I'm throwing this out of my, like 70% consumer economy. It's like a very large figure. They want us to spend, Mm -hmm. but the point is society's bettered by us saving and having capital to make investments. So they're literally setting us up for failure. So next paragraph from him. This is destructive for civilization itself and both the long term and the short term. The more paper money, the more credit they create, the more society focuses on finance as opposed to production. It's why there are many times more people studying finance than science. The focus is increasingly on speculation, not production. Financial engineering, not mechanical, electrical, or chemical engineering. And lots of laws and regulation to keep the unstable unstable structure from collapsing. So he wants to say the core of what you're seeing now, where the smartest people go to Wall Street, is because we don't have capital for the investments in these other fields. We've created a society where everyone's chasing just financial gains in fictional things because there's just so much money out there and that's the easiest way to make money as opposed to if people are actually saving and investing in capital. In other words, we've structured society in a way where we're all – it's counterintuitive. We're doing exactly what's not going to better society. Here's the last part of it. What keeps a truly civil society together isn't laws, regulations, and police. It's peer pressure, social – I don't even know what the opprobrium, I've never heard that word, moral appropriation and your reputation. 
These are the four elements that keep things together. Western civilization is built on voluntarism, but as the state grows, that's being replaced by coercion, blah, 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 blah. But that's kind of what we've been getting at through this whole thing is that what really can make changes is when we know, hey, these are the villains, this farmer, bro, that guy's fucking us over, and everyone complains about it, we make changes, as opposed to just relying on the state for things. Where there's like clear good guys, bad guys. Yes. Right. Okay, last thing. You ready? Sure. Hillary Clinton is the fucking oh, Terminator. Fuck. It's the last topic here. You, you know, we always come back to that. She that is, she's so she's got this new you, foundation. You love this. You she's love got this her. new foundation called Onward Together, which firstly that pissed me off because what, what do you mean you Onward from? No, but firstly, what do you mean by together? A lot of the country doesn't like you. Are they part of the together part? The majority of the country that didn't vote for you—that's part of your togetherness. And then her other thing is, um, like she's got this big thing of resist. And it's like, resist what? The democratically elected leader of the country? The person that you lost to in a democratic election? That's who we're supposed to resist? And I think we hear a lot in life about having confidence and just keep moving forward with your goal and achieving your goal. And I think Hillary Clinton is the ultimate example of that it's okay to give up. Have some grace. She hasn't yet. Have some fucking grace. And I'll help her out. I'm really good at giving up on things. She wants to give me a call tomorrow. I will tell her how to give up, up, how to sit back, relax, and live. I'm nice that way. Hillary Clinton, I'm not going to put my number out there. (laughs) You don't want her calling. We have 30 listeners. I don't need these people harassing me in the evenings. (laughs) But if she wants to give me a call, I'd be happy to guide her on uh, drinking some alcohol, chilling out, enjoying the rest of your life, and just putting it to rest. All right. That's our episode, buddy. All right.